1: former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femiya Bebefei, on vSAN, the sports betting network.
2: It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi line hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network. We say hello to our friends over watching on Samsung TV+. Plus, Femi and Bebefe alongside Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Michael, I would say good morning to you, but where we're sitting here at Circa, if I look out to the Mega Bar, it might be good evening. Uh, a lot of folks still <laughs> active here at 7 in the morning West Coast time, but uh, how are you doing this morning?
4: We're doing good. We're doing good. A little depressed here, got to be honest. You Uh-oh. know, that Phillies bow and that lead, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's not – that has not gone over well here. Uh-oh. Flags are at half-mass. Uh, tra- traumatic experience, you know. half so, Feel the emotions <laughs> of it all. Was that, I was at a, a little neighborhood tavern last night filled with Phillies fans. I mean, didn't even get a chance to see the end of the Astros game because they flipped the channel to the Phillies game just to oh. see the, the – uh, the, um, the uh, in introductions, you know, can't miss that, Femi. come on now. <laughs> so, so, so you you didn't get to see Altuve's home run. I mean, yeah, no, we didn't see it. Somebody wow. told us as we were leaving. Uh, the, you got to understand now. You know, it's a big weekend in the Philadelphia region, right? You got you got Penn State, Ohio State today, mm-hmm. huge, right? You got Eagles on Sunday night, and you got the Phillies. Yeah. So I mean, worlds are colliding. Worlds are colliding. It's just you know, it's
2: just one of those things where there's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. Now, is, are the poles still greased for the Phillies, or did we start wiping that well, off of the They maintain pole? grease poles. Okay. Well, because you're
4: in, when you're in the city of champions, you continually grease your poles forever. It doesn't matter. You just <laughs> continually do it, even if the Flyers. The, and I got to admit, Femi, confessing to you as if I went into the pew box in mass, <laughs> as my mother would make me do, I watched some of the 76er game. Uh-oh. It's an addiction I can't cure. I apologize. I did. I watched a little of it. Uh, they lured me back in. I started watching Jared Springer and thinking, oh, my God, he might be really good. You know, and I'm sitting there. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Yeah, well, it's only going to end up in complete frustration. Why? It's because you,
2: it's, it's you love it. And, and that's how we are with all of our teams. We, we hate them and we love them and we can't quit them. Most importantly, <laughs> that's. I mean, I mean sit, hang out with me on a Dallas Cowboys Sunday or a Monday. I mean, this past Monday night I was going nuts, even though they won that game. I mean, my we goodness. Won. <laughs> yeah they won but well it, they're, it they're not be,
4: you know you're not playing pushover page in the nfl it's not going to be easy yeah. right yeah like they're true. hard games i mean every game's hard it's like when i say when people start looking at the schedule and say well their schedule's easy coming up well they've never been in a they've never had a sweat through a game before Easy, there's no easy games you know we don't get you know, Western Kentucky on the schedule, right? And, you know, Ohio State beats them 63 to 10. I mean, you don't get that opportunity very much.
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate because sometimes you need some of those weekends where it's just like, okay, my team's a 28-point favorite. We can relax a little bit. And then next week, we'll go, go ahead and sort it out. But we'll be sorting out college football all throughout the day, a fun day of college football, fun day for Philly, like Michael mentioned. And one of our guests will help us break it all down. But coming up in 15 minutes, our buddy Tim Murray in his usual spot, host of the v College Football Betting Podcast, also v Decent in primetime, which you can check out Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 Eastern time. He'll join us. Tim has a lot of plays, also has a Heisman play, Michael. We will definitely dive into that. We will dive into that. Yeah, I'm going to give him the same number I gave
4: you at those poor kids, please. <laughs>
2: But coming up in the second hour, though, 8.15 West Coast time, 11.15 Eastern. Howard Eskin of 94 WIP in Philadelphia, also Fox 29 as well. He will join us. We'll break down the Eagles-Dolphins game Sunday Night Football at the Link later on this weekend. And then Matt Eumanns will join us in the second hour as well, 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific in his usual spot to, to go over his college football and NFL card. But let's start with the big game in Columbus. Uh, I see game days there, big noon kickoffs there, massive game, the biggest up until this point. In the Big Ten, Penn State, Ohio State, the Buckeyes right now, four and a half point favorites. The total is forty five and a half. Uh, your early thoughts on this game. That's kind of the first benchmark game here for Penn State, definitely. And for Ohio State, another big game and a chance for them to c- continue being a national title contender.
4: Yeah, I mean, this is a game that features one team, Ohio State, that you know, it is able to put some pressure on the quarterback. And Penn State does a great job of protecting Drew Aller. And I, I think we got to look at the injuries before we get going in this game. Is Burke going to play? You know, is the running back Henderson? He's listed as questionable. I think mm-hmm. those are two key injuries, you know, of what, what that has to happen and what Manny Diaz does to try to ha- handle, you know, this offense of Ohio State led by Kyle McCord uh, – As they try to improve, I think the key for this game is Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, right? I mean, this is the matchup against a really good Penn State offense, and they haven't given up very many explosive plays, Ohio State. And, you know, Penn State has been very good at methodically working the ball down the field. So I think it's going to be a fun game to
2: watch. It Really, it will be. Yeah. We always talk about Saturdays being college days for a lot of NFL general managers. This is a game. I'm sure a lot of general managers and scouts will have their eyes on number of pro prospects. I know Penn state has an awesome left tackle, obviously Marvin Harrison jr for Ohio state. Like there's a number of guys that we'll be uh, getting to see on Sundays coming up next year uh, at the earliest here. But the betting market has been interesting. It feels like we've been hovering around four, four and a half saw some fives earlier in the week. Now we're down to four where I'm sitting here at circa four and a half over at DraftKings. Uh, from a betting standpoint i'm not sure if i could ever get there on the side i'm not really a huge fan of either coach and mike palm yesterday on the lombardi line asked me which coach is actually under the more pressure most pressure in this game and i thought it was kind of a hard question there because i was like both guys are under pressure for different reasons james franklin can they get over this ohio state hump ryan day can they continue to beat these good teams and expectations clearly high in columbus Uh, which coach do you think is facing the most pressure today
4: I think it's Ryan Day because you know you know again if if he doesn't win a big game at home and then he has to go to Michigan to play them can he beat Michigan I mean Michigan looks like the best team in the Big Ten so Maybe in the you can't afford to lose one it may be in the country and I I don't think you know Penn State is a team that hasn't been able to break that threshold it's a huge game for them but they haven't been able to get there they've been a very good team that hasn't been able to get in the Final Four conversation whereas Ohio State. Is there, And if you don't get there, then you 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 fall short of your expectations. So, you know, I, I think ultimately it, it falls on Ryan Day. I mean, the, the Notre Dame game, you could feel the pressure he felt mm-hmm. in that game, you know. So I, I think it's here. Uh, and, you know, look, it's going to come down to do you trust Franklin to coach the game in a game situation? I don't know. I mean, I think that's always do you trust Ryan Day's team to play physical? You know, it's interesting when you go through the numbers of the game right? I mean, Aller, Drew Aller, the quarterback for for Penn State, this offense is not about trying to make explosive plays, right? This Mm -hmm. offense is a dink and dunk. They have that, and they have no problem controlling the football, which I think a lot of people are on the under today because they do control the ball, and they take more time off the clock, and they get four yards, five yards, and then they convert those third downs, you know? And so, I, I think that that can lend itself to frustration when you look at it, you know. And I think as you go through it, that that to me is really where this game is going to come down. Both teams can score, you know. both I mean, this is the this is the third Penn State's the third best offense in the country in relative scoring offense. Just mm. think about that for a minute. Third best. I mean, this is a really good team, and Ohio State's going to have to play their best. They rank fifth in the nation in sacks allowed.
2: Wow. No, it's a talented Penn State roster. We know that for sure. They recruit among the best teams every year out there with James Franklin. That's the one thing that they've been able to nail out there at Happy Valley. But from a national standpoint here and the betting wise, the national title, Penn State right now is 12 to 1 to win the national title. Ohio State 8 to 1. So, whatever the result of this game is, we will see a big shakeup in the market. Yeah. But get this stat though. Our producer Elliot Bowman yeah. put this in there. In 18 games against top 10 opponents under James Franklin, the Nittany Lions are just 3 and 15 straight up and Penn state like that. That's, that's not what you want to (laughs) hear like going up against good teams. uh,
4: I mean, but remember all data comes from the past. The great Rory Sutherland says, and it's true. This defense that Manny Diaz is controlling is the two, the best, the second best defense in the nation. They have the best passing defense in the country. They have the third best rushing defense in the country. They, They get more sacks than anybody. In the, they're second in the country in this. I mean, th- for all the Drew Aller and the offensive line and all that conversation, this defense is elite, mm-hmm. and not, it's better than Notre Dame's defense. So that to me is when you can go when you go on the road. How do you win road games in the National Football League? Right? How do you do that? You win because you play really good defense. Your defense can get control of the game, and you have an offensive line that can get control of the trenches. Bad road teams typically don't have that.
2: Penn State has it. Well, we'll see how it unfolds later on this afternoon kickoff in less than two hours over there in Columbus. We'll get Tim Murray's thoughts on this. We'll get Matt Eumann's thoughts on it as well before we wrap up the show. But let's get to the game over in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee, Alabama right now at DraftKings. The Tide nine and a half point favorites, total 47 and a half. It got a little hairy there for Alabama last week against Arkansas late, but they pull out the victory. What do you see happening today at Bryant Denny?
4: Well, I mean, we don't have enough time to get through it all, but I would say this. Of all the games that irritated Nick Saban in his Alabama coaching career, I think last year's Tennessee game probably was the straw that that, that stirs him and keeps him awake at night. Mm. And for him to give up that many points to a team and not really get control of it is going to be problematic, and I think he's probably spent a lot of time this offseason – working on a way to handle the Josh Heupel offense and seeing what he can do against it. So, you know, the third Saturday in October is always fun, and I think this is going to be another one. I think I worry about Joe Milton. This is not as explosive offense as when they had Hayden Hooker now. This is the 38th-ranked scoring offense in the country, and that's coming off of scoring 41 and 45 in two of the last three games. Remember, Texas A&M had a chance in that game, but, of course – you know what happened.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's an A&M game. We all know how that ended. But... I thought, I thought last week, especially that final drive to go ahead and clinch it off, Milrow made some nice throws there in the pocket, able yeah. to layer stuff in the second level. Milrow's like, getting better. Yeah, he's getting yeah. better. Yeah. I, I think like the progression of Jalen Milrow has been good for this Alabama team. Obviously they stubbed their toe badly against Texas, but it's still all out in front of them. If they were to run the table and win the SEC, they'd be right there in the college football playoff with all their hopes and dreams of a national title still up in the air. All right. On the other side, Tim Murray will join us, host of the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast give us his card here on the third Saturday of October.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 infinity QX 80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York city Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
3: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or,
0: shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so...
3: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
0: Millie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebathe, on VCN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page. Sort picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand. For VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up today for only $19 for your first month at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It is the Lombardi line here on this Saturday morning. Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Femi Abefin hanging out here in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, we will have a lot of college football discussion here on the program, of course, with Ohio State, Penn State chief among the games that we have on our slate. But to help us break down all the games and also a little Heisman Trophy talk as well, we bring in our buddy Tim Murray, host of VEASAN Primetime, which you can check out 6 to 9 Eastern Monday through Friday here on VEASAN and also the VEASAN College Football Betting Podcast. Make sure you get that wherever you get your podcast. Tim, we have have your Heisman bet. We have Penn State, Ohio State, but you want to start with the the Navy, Navy and Air Force. What's what's going on here? Let the people know at home why you why you're so hot on this game this morning.
1: Well, so appreciate you guys having me on as always, and this is certainly something a little near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, being on the Navy broadcast team for for three years was a lot of fun, and uh, just love being a part of the however so small part of this you know great rivalry, but. I don't know, man. This is uh, I guess, Michael, you can chime in on whether or not this is dirty pool, because the starting quarterback for Air Force went out with an injury last week against Wyoming, Zach Larrier and Troy Calhoun, the head coach of Air Force. It didn't look good. Troy Calhoun came out kind of somber earlier this week, said he's going to be out, quote, quite a while. He's starting today, so the yeah. market kind of reacted to it. You saw, you know, money come in on Navy, and now it's starting to go the other way. So, you know, we know there's no—he didn't do anything wrong technically because there are yeah. no, you know, injury reports in college football. But uh, you know, it's interesting that we were just kind of got bamboozled a little bit here. So we will see. By the way, just a quick little nugget on this: uh, Service Academy games have gone under the total forty times in the last 51 games uh since 2006 so uh certainly a look a little bit there i did play a little under expected to be windy in annapolis i took some navy so i can't get a refund on my bet so we'll uh we'll try to ride with the mids here uh catching 11 11 and a half but uh the starting quarterback for air force who has been phenomenal so far this year and has been a big reason they're six and zero, uh is apparently playing today against navy
4: you know, Tim, it, it, this happens. Look, Lane Johnson, everybody here in the Philadelphia area were lighting candles because he was hurt <laughs> and was going to miss four, six, eight weeks. I mean, there was talk about bringing the Pope in to pray and hopefully we get him back sooner. And now he's going to start this week. So, you know, I think ultimately <clears throat> sometimes I don't think it's intentional. I think sometimes they think the injury worse than it actually is. And, you know, it changes and without any regulation in college, it's really hard to do that. I think Calhoun's done a remarkable job at Air Force, especially the last couple of seasons. It's it's really been I'm surprised, you know, he was on the staff with Mike Shanahan at the Denver Broncos. So he has a little bit of pro background. I thought, you know, some other school would come in and take him, especially a school that had struggles to win in their conference. But he's done a nice job. There's no denying that.
1: Yeah, he's done a phenomenal job. They're no, he, they are good and you know as of right now top 25 team and and uh, have the path to to get the group of 5 bid to the New Year 6. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see. These games historically usually are close, regardless of who the quarterback is. So we'll see if uh, Navy can keep it close and And still can cover that number.
4: Where are you on the partial owner of the next NFL franchise, Caleb Williams, as he (laughs) takes on Utah? Where are you on his ball club? I mean, I know he's probably just giving himself a little bit of time as he you know his portfolio with lehman brothers and i'm sure he's got you know uh, all these other hedge fund people working for him allen and allen company you know we can get uh, that work and so where are you as he kind of graces us with a little bit of college play today before he starts becoming one of the 32 owners
1: yeah hopefully he can be focused today because i believe it or not in backing caleb williams and the usc trojans i have not done that this entire year, uh, I think I've faded them a couple of times. But, you know, for me, this is this is the spot, hopefully, uh, where you can maybe get a motivated USC team after getting embarrassed last week on national television. Caleb Williams having the worst game of, of his collegiate career. And, you know, there was plenty of chatter heading into that game about, hey, this USC team is is not as good as their record states. They're flirting with disaster. And then last night or excuse me, last week unfolded where they get blown out, lose by 28 points, you know, for Utah, uh, cam rising, you know, f- speaking of injuries, we thought cam rising might be able to play week one against Florida. Mm, he has yet yeah. to take a snap for Utah. Exactly. Uh, that situation exactly. has been, you know, a disaster there from an the injury standpoint, I would be surprised at this point if we see Cam rising at all. And, you know, you mentioned great coaching. How about, you know, what, what Willingham has done so far uh, there in Utah? The fact that this team is, you know, in the top 25, in the top 15, without their starting quarterback, without their top two tight ends as well. Uh, But I think rubber meets the road here. You got the double revenge angle for USC, losing both times last year to Utah. So, you know, we will see. I I have not been a big fan. you know, uh, believer in this USC team, especially defensively. But, you know, the defense really didn't play terrible last week. They were just putting really terrible spots by, based off of turnover. So I'm going to lay the six and a half that is out there right now in the market, uh, both at, you know, DraftKings and Circa and, and roll with USC to, uh, to win by a touchdown today against Utah.
2: We're hanging out with Tim Murray here, host of Veasan Primetime, also the Veasan College Football Betting Podcast. Make sure you get that wherever you get your podcasts. Tim, the Heisman Trophy market is interesting after last week's results. Michael Penix of Washington now an odds-on favorite uh, over at all the sportsbooks. But you are interested in the player that he was going against last Saturday. We're getting bodacious here on the Lombardi line. Why have you joined? Why have you joined the Pat party? On the back
4: here, yeah, yeah. You know, you <laughs> love. I love this. This is wonderful. Go ahead. So you two let, take me, over. let me preface it but this just way. Let me, but when you're done, when you two are done talking, can I please supply the phone number to the St. Jude's kids? Cause I would really like you to do that. I really would. I think it's important.
1: <laughs> you know, it's all about the number, right? It's uh, at 30 to one. Oh. I got intrigued 17 to one touchdown interception ratio uh, for Bo Nix. And uh, you know, after that game, I thought it was maybe a buy low spot. Look, Michael Penix is the rightful favorite. Uh, if you want to just fade Michael Penix and say you don't believe that an odds on favorites going to win, uh, find your way to circa and, and go play the the no on Michael Penix. That could be a way to short Michael Penix, who's been phenomenal and is the rightful favorite. You know, we'll see. He was a little dinged up, felt like after that Washington game. So, look, I think there's a plenty there are plenty of options to go. And we we had a lengthy discussion about this. You know, if you look at, you know, Jaden Daniels numbers, they're through the roof, but can you trust LSU to make it to the college football playoff Uh, win against Alabama here in a couple of weeks with the defense that is out there. Drake May, they've got everything in front of them. Tez Walker being back, certainly for UNC, has, has helped boost their stock, and they've got some monster games still to come. You know, For me, it just came down to I think Oregon was slightly a better team than Washington on Saturday. Well, obviously Washington won the game, and if Oregon can run the table from here on out, and be playing on a Friday night in Las Vegas, then there's gonna be a whole lot of eyeballs on Oregon and Bo Nix. So if it was fifteen to one, Michael, I would not be on Bo Nix. But the fact that there's a 30-to-one out there at multiple different spots, that's where I think it's worth a little bit of a flyer on the quarterback for a team that very well could be in the college football playoff in the Oregon Ducks.
4: I like it. I mean, I I don't I don't argue with your logic, but I think when you lose to Penix so why if you lose a second time is it better than when you lose the first?
1: Well, I think if 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 Oregon beats Washington in a rematch. That's what I'm banking on here, right? Because if these two teams meet in Las Vegas, I think Oregon closes as a slight favorite against Washington. So if Oregon wins that rematch, remember this is a voted on process. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there for Oregon on black Friday against Oregon state, their arch rival on Fox, You know, the uh, the Pac-12 championship being an isolated game on that Friday night. So that's what I'm basing this on, Michael, is if Oregon gets that rematch, wins that game, whether it's accurate or not, it's the fact that if he were to win that game and Oregon were to win it and head to the college football playoff, I think that's the last image in the minds of voters. And that's why they could ultimately lead to a Bo Nix play. Michael Penix is the rightful favorite. And if he were anything, you know, in that five to one range, he'd be getting pounded. There's a reason he's odds on right now. I'm just saying, Hey, if this, if Oregon rolls here and, and beats them, it beats Washington in Vegas. I think uh, Bo Nix will have a shot to be in New York and and maybe win the award.
2: Real quick here, Tim, we got about 40 seconds left here. Uh, Penn state, Ohio state. looks like you're playing the total in this one.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go under here uh, first half under probably a little stronger than full game under because weird things can happen. But I'm going to do the old split unit, take my unit, split it in half, put her, uh half on the first half under 21 and a half and a half on the full game, 45 and a half. Two great defenses. Offense is still something left to be desired. I think this is kind of a slugfest 20 to 17, 20 to 14 type of game. So I will roll with the under in Columbus today.
2: All right. He is Tim Murray, host of V Prime Primetime, also the College Football Betting Podcast, and also now a card carrying member of the bodacious Heisman moment. Uh, <laughs> Tim, good luck with the bets. We'll talk to you next week. I'll get you both in touch with St. Jude. don't worry. <laughs> We're back after the break. <laughs> Let's go!
1: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Timmy Amebafe, on V the sports betting network.
2: Welcome back. It is hour number two of the Lombardi line, hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network here on this Saturday morning. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. I'm hanging out here at the Circle Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. Fun first hour. We have a fun second hour on deck. 15 minutes from now, Howard Eskin of 94WIP in Philadelphia will join us. We'll break down Sunday night football. Dolphins, Eagles, a battle of five and one teams. We're not saying game of the year, Michael. We we cannot say that because the last two, games we've said that about they've been blowouts so we want this to be a good game so we're not going to say game of the year we'll just say hopefully it's a good game sunday evening and then also 30 minutes from now matt humans the host of v since tonight and also co-host of the college football betting podcast will join us in studio for his usual spot giving out his nfl and college football card but let's get to the lombardi look ahead and the game that you have circled as a game that you want no parts of happens to be in our producer's old neck of the woods
4: yeah well i mean i I wrote this uh Friday morning early, and we didn't know where Deshaun Watson was. And, you know, and we didn't know if P.J. Walker was going to start. And definitely when you look at Gardner Minshew's numbers, you want no parts. I hate to say this to you, Elliot. You want no parts of the Colts (laughs) in this game, even though they're playing at home. I mean, Minshew's 2-11 straight up in his last 13 games. He's 2-10 against the spread. You want to bet him? Go ahead. God bless you. I don't. So for me, it was like, okay, I get this. This is a tough one. And then you add in the the, the, the greatness of this Browns defense. Think about this, Femi. Mm-hmm. The Browns have only given up 200 yards passing in one game this year. That was oh. against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they had a 71-yard completion. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. The Pickens. And so, like, you can't throw the ball on this team. They've only given up 32 first downs over the last two weeks. It's hard to throw the ball on them. It's hard to convert third downs. The Colts' offensive line is beat up, right? There's a lot of things going for the in favor of the Browns, yet there was a lot of professional people that loved the Colts. I didn't see it. So for me, I made it in a Hall and Oates play because it's like, okay, I respect the professionals, but I also respect my ability to evaluate football teams, mm-hmm. and I don't see where the Colts score 14 points. I don't see where they get 17 and I think the Browns, if they just are able to run the football effectively like they did last week for 160 yards against a good 49er front, they can win the game.
2: So Browns Colts is the official Hall Oates play of the week.
0: I can't go for that. No. no. No can do.
2: You know, I love it. You know, to follow up more on that, Michael, is that early in the week, I was finding myself on the side of the of the professionals uh, and looking at Indianapolis, but the more that we progressed this week, the more I hate the play. Now, I put a small bet in at plus three, and I thought that maybe we'd be seeing PJ Walker once again in this game because we saw the report last week of the multiple more games Deshaun Watson could miss. Sounds like he's doing all right, so he's going to uh, probably start in this game's listlet as questionable, so I guess things could change, but it looks like we're headed towards Watson playing. I think the side where the professionals and the angle that they're playing here is sort of fading teams off of like big performances. And we've kind of seen that so far. That's been an underlying theme this season. I mean, think about how uh, we saw Buffalo after they beat Miami there. Everyone's raving about the Buffalo Bills. They go to London. They lose outright to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everyone's raving last week about the 49ers destroying the Dallas Cowboys. They go into Cleveland. Game obviously could have gone either way, but they lose the game outright as a nine point favorite. I think this is because a lot of this week has been about this Browns defense and how good they are. The job Jim Schwartz has done. Maybe they're riding a little bit too high going from nine and a half point home dog to now laying three three and a half on the road I think that's the angle that the professionals are playing Uh, I don't like it as much anymore seeing the injury report play as how it has but hey we have the bet in we got to see what happens on Sunday but I think that's the angle that they're playing you know starting on Monday I keep track of the line right so the line opens
4: up in this game it opened up at two and a half and it went right away down towards Indy it got to two and then there was some one and a halfs and they stayed one and a half, and then it moved back to two. And then once the Watson interview came through, maybe I am, maybe I'm not, Yeah, you know, it moved. And then when he, they, people saw him throwing the football, it moved to three, and now it's three and a half. I would not be surprised if it got to four on Sunday tomorrow. I really wouldn't. Because when you sit down and break down the game, you ask yourself the fundamental question, how do the Colts score? So what happened last week against Jacksonville, who does not have as good a defense as the Browns do, Jacksonville said, play tight man-to-man. We're going to pressure Minshew inside. We're going to force – we're going to take away his rhythm throws. We're not going to give him some easy throws. And we're going to make him have to throw the football to beat us because we're going to play a certain front that is very difficult to run the ball on. We'll Hmm. take it to Schwartz. It's impossible to run the ball on his team. Right. Mm -hmm. And they have three corners that are much better than the three receivers for the Colts. So, like, where do they get their offense from, from a from a scheme standpoint? I get what you're saying, Femi. There's a lot of that. This is a this is a pick based on the schedule, not a pick based on the matchups. Yeah. Which is where I have some issue when I do handicapping, because I always are just constantly thinking of the I'm thinking of the matchups of the teams. I never get into the handicapping of the situations as you, as professional betters do, which I obviously need to work on. So, but for me, I, I just can't see the Colts scoring more than seventeen
2: points. Yeah, unless I'm, the Colts, unless the unless Watson starts fumbling the ball, and that's the thing. Like, what, what percentage is Deshaun Watson? I think that's why it's it's a perfect game for the Hall of Notes. I wish I didn't have a bet in the game, but you can't correct that. It's already in there. So we got to see what happens tomorrow. Maybe I get lucky and the Colts win this thing. But I think had I gotten a a mulligan, I think I'd just lay off of this game in general. Just I don't think I'd want to bet Cleveland off of last week's performance, but I definitely, I don't really like where we're sitting with the Colts here as we progress through the week. All right, let's get to the line of the week. The game that you really have your eye on, and that's at Arrowhead Stadium, Chargers Chiefs.
4: Well, look, I, you know, when this line came out and I saw it was five and a half or five, six, I was shocked because I know that in the in the matchups, these are always close games. I mean, the the Chargers went in there and won a game by six in overtime. They should have won in regulation. They messed around and lost, and and they do, you know. And then the Chiefs won in Los Angeles by six in overtime. Okay, and so the final margin of these games, when it's been Herbert. In his seventh career starter, three, three, six, six, and three. So this five-and-a-half or six number didn't seem to make a lot of sense. Then when you peel back the layer and you realize that Herbert's five-and-one against the spread against this Chief team. Now, I get the Chiefs are playing better than they ever have on defense, but Herbert needs to play better too. He did not play well last week. I think his finger affected him, which is why I think this line has gone up a little more than it should. I think this line should be around three, three three-and-a-half. Think you're getting really good value at five and a half. I, I have it as a closer game than that. So for me, I, I didn't understand it. You know, I do realize the Chargers don't play well in the second half. I know that, you know, that they give up too many, you know, they've been outscored in the second half way too much this year, and and they don't win a lot of close games. I mean, last year they were outscored in the second half 189 to 141, and they made a playoffs. But this is a typical time when I think that Staley's team, no fan, plays well. And I'm shocked at it. Now, I know everybody said, well, Andy Reid coming off a bye and Mahomes. Well, we know Mahomes is a favorite, especially over a field goal.
2: Isn't a great play. Yeah, I mean, because the Chiefs are always big favorites to where it's hard to cover those numbers in a league where teams are pretty close together. And this is, I, I, I think you've identified a really good spot here for the Chargers because like, this is typically when they're getting a lot of points when you want to back them because they have an awesome quarterback in Justin Herbert. Despite what we saw Monday night, like that's not Herbert. Like, like he, he was missing wide right. open guys. I, I, like we would have to see a lot more of that before I change my opinion on Justin Herbert. But yeah. he's, he's a really good quarterback. He's getting five and a half in this spot. Obviously you wish that you could get six because that six being a key number in the NFL, but there's a reason why you're not getting it because I think that the Chargers are actually the side here in this game, and you got to kind of have to plug your nose. Everybody's playing and the,
4: the Chargers, but the number's not moving, which tells you what you need to know, right? Yeah, that also it's kind that's kind of a- almost a little bit like it, it does. But here, and everybody wants to count on this rest, right? You know, the Chargers, you know, Andy Reid getting rest. Well, when you look at the rest numbers and you study that and you break them down through you know our bet lab system, right? I mean, with eight days rest. Andy Reid over the last twenty years is fifty-seven and twenty-five straight up, Mm. but when you add this, when you add the spread in there, he's eleven games over five hundred with a tie. When you when you look at Mahomes on extended rest, beautiful, he's thirteen and one, but he's seven and seven against the spread. So I, I think what you have to kind of do is you got to peel it back a little bit and like these are always tight games. These are always tight games. Now I get I get the handicap that I may have to be really careful of is are the how good are the Chiefs defensively? We saw the Jets move the ball on them. We they did. did. They did. We did. You can't deny it. I mean, they did. Now, this Charger offense, here's the biggest problem with this Charger offense that I see. They have the ball 28-30 minutes. They're only 38% on third down. Last year, they controlled the ball for 30-30 minutes, right? And they were much better on third down. So for all the conversation about your guy joystick, they're (laughs) not really, the numbers don't translate to them being this incredible offense. Yeah.
2: we got about 90 seconds left. Let's get to your coordinator battle of the week, and the spotlight is on Sunday Night Football, Dolphins-Eagles.
4: What I think people realize is Vic Fangio was working for Philly last year, working for Philly in the capacity of explaining the defensive concepts to the offensive coaches. Valuable thing to do. And he obviously would help out the defensive coaches, too. He was in Miami or wherever he has a second home down there in South Florida, and he was helping them. So he knows this offense really well. And he also knows when you break down this game that if Hurts is under pressure and you can attack the pocket, it, it's a little bit of a different situation. And, if you, and when he plays against a team that can score points – it, it, it is not very good. They're 7-10 against a team that averages over 24 points a game, straight up. So wow. when they get into a track meet, you think it favors them, but it really doesn't. The key, and I think Vic knows this, is the key is to pressure Hurts. And with Lane Johnson, he's going to play. Cam Juergens isn't going to play. Maybe there's an opportunity to pressure him inside. Look, I don't like Miami either here, because I think when Tua gets pressure inside, <laughs>
2: that falls apart. Well, maybe with the wind, maybe you like the under. We're sitting here at 51 and a half. I like the wind. I like Philly because of the wind. I think that's tilted me to Philly the most. Yeah, it's like like Tua with the wind and also the interior of the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line. I think I would lean towards the Eagles as well. No bet for me. We'll ask our next guest about this game, Howard Eskin of 94 WIP. And Philly joins us here on the Lombardi line.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Femi Abbafei, on VSEN, the sports betting network.
2: With all four major sports in action, there's no better time of the year to be a sports And With our new Sports Equinox Special, there's no better time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber. Sign up now and get full VEASAN Pro access to everything we do through May 1st for only $120, including daily best bets, unlimited access to our betting splits, plus our exclusive betting content for the MLB playoffs, college football, the rest of the NFL season, March Madness, the NBA and NHL regular seasons, and the NFL draft. Don't miss this limited time offer. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe to sign up now. Welcome back. It's the Lombardi Line hanging out on DraftKings Network. Femi Bebfe, Michael Lombardi. Matt Humans will be joining us in studio next segment to break down his college football and NFL card. But joining us now to talk Dolphins, Eagles, Sunday Night Football. It's the one and only Howard Eskin of 94WIP. Eagles reporter, also contributor to Fox 29 out there in the city of brotherly love. Howard, hope all is well. We appreciate you joining us this morning. Uh, I want to, before we get to Sunday Night Football, go back to last week. Eagles suffering their first loss to New York Jets. Was that just kind of a, a, a blip on the radar or was that sort of that loss kind of giving us a little bit of uh, some of the weaknesses coming to the surface for this Eagles team?
5: Well, anybody that's covered the NFL or is, Mike knows been in the NFL. Uh, you always lose the teams you're not supposed to lose to. I, I don't know. Is, is there a reason why? I, I don't know. They, did they take it for granted? Well, turnovers were a big part of it. Yeah, I, I think it was a blip uh, because they're, I, the Eagles have not been playing at the same level they did last year. Well, last year they won 14 games, but they're still a good team. Uh, and the Jets defense. They're not bad. And they're not a bad, they're actually a good defensive team. So they keep themselves in games. But when you have four turnovers, and the last one was the killer, mm-hmm. obviously thrown in the double coverage by Jalen Hurts, you're not going to win a game. I, and I just, they're not that team. And I think Sunday night, I, I, I don't know why, but I think the Eagles, I, I don't have any question the Eagles are going to win the game on Sunday night.
4: Howard, what was the thinking? And I know you're you're intimately involved with the team. I see you on the sidelines at every game. What was the thinking throwing there on third and eight? Did they not think they could stop Zach Wilson from going eighty yards to beat them?
5: Well, here's the difference. You said eighty yards. Remember, they would only be if they, if they run the ball on the third and eight. You know, you're talking about the end of the game. Uh, if they mm-hmm. run the ball and and, and they get they, they would have gotten stopped. And then they only have to kick a field goal. Remember, the Jets are only down by two. So when you're aggressive, and that's what Nick Sirianni is, you, you try to put the game away right there. Now, the reality is, uh, and, and so if you don't make it, the Jets still have like maybe a minute and 20 seconds left uh, to try to get in position to kick a field goal. Uh, Jalen Hurts cannot, cannot throw in the double coverage. I mean, that was awful. And that, when when the coaches broke it down, that was the really the the worst throw of the day. You know, the other turnovers were different. So he's trying to win the game, and you get a first down, you win the game. And if you, it's incomplete, then you still have to stop them from kicking a field goal. But it's not eighty yards. Remember, it's you only have to kick a field goal in that situation. So you can look at it both ways, and you can take the defense point of view and say, "Oh, I'll just try to stop them," but I uh, I don't know I I don't know how I would look at it I understand what he tried to do it's simple to say either just run the ball and and stop them but I don't know if it, that that's the way some coaches I know all coaches would uh, don't approach it that way so that's the way I I know that's the way they looked at it.
2: We're speaking with Howard Eskin, Eagles sideline reporter, Philadelphia Radio, also 94 WIP and a contributor to Fox 29. Well, Howard, this game on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, you mentioned how you are confident that the Eagles will win this football game. Why do you think they have such a big advantage going up against this five and one Dolphins team?
5: You know, when you look at the numbers and you say, all right, the Dolphins uh, offense is uh, much better than the Eagles. If you take away that 70-point game, they're about the same. When they scored, what was it? Who did they score 70 points against? Denver. Denver, Denver. yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you take away that game, which the the numbers were just ridiculous, they're really at the same level offensively. So you could say, oh, the Dolphins are a much better offense. The offense are a really good offense. But the Eagles can be too. I just think it's something about playing at home. The fact that they lost last week. I think will be different. I think it's going to be a high scoring game. Uh, and I think the Eagles are going to get over 30. Uh, so I just something about the game and I don't know why. And the number, I always look at those numbers and I said, you know what? The number's telling me something. Cause before the number came out, I said, Oh, this might be a pick'em game because the Eagles lost. The Dolphins are playing great. Comes out at what? Two and a half. And I think today in some places it's up to three. It, it looks yep. too easy to take the Dolphins. That's why they call it gambling. It's not that easy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, Howard, uh, talk I to us about Lane Johnson.
4: How about <laughs> Lane Johnson? I know he was, you know, they thought he might miss some time, but now he's not going to. How did he practice, and is he good to go at right tackle?
5: Yeah, he is. I'm telling you, he is one of the most amazing people Mentally and physically, and I, you know, and I think it's been documented that he had some mental issues, but he's he's come through that. Uh, he is as tough as any player, maybe not better than any player, as tough as any player. That's not just an ankle sprain; it's kind of bordering on a high ankle sprain, and we all know that those usually take like two or three weeks. He's coming back. I remember seeing him after the game last week in a boot. And I says, you're going to be all right. He says, I'll be fine. <laughs> I said, okay. And it's amazing that he's coming back and playing. Yeah, he's going to play. And they obviously need him. They're going to miss the other injury that people are just kind of glossing over. They're going to miss uh, Reed Blankenship at safety. He has done a Mm -hmm. really nice job for them this year, and he's not going to play. He's got a rib injury, and I think it's a you know it's a serious rib injury. Not there's nothing broken there, but and I saw him during the week, and you know he looks fine, but he can't play. Um, I think they're going to miss him more um, uh, than anything that people are thinking about. But Lane Johnson. Is so 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 tough. The fact that he played with a groin tear on on both sides on the Super Bowl, and both sides, not just one. We heard one. It was both, both left and right side. It is this guy is amazing, and he's going to play. He's going to, and he's going to be good. I'm going to tell you right now, he's going to be good.
2: Yeah, a special player has been a special player for the Eagles since he arrived there in 2013 out of Oklahoma. Hello player Lane Johnson. Howard, we've got a few minutes left here. Uh, Just I want to kind of get a progress report here on the coordinators because that was a big storyline for Philadelphia throughout the offseason, losing both coordinators to head coaching jobs in Arizona and Indianapolis, respectively. How have Sean Desai and Brian Johnson done in your opinion here so far through six games?
5: Well, first, I'll tell you what the fans think. They want to blow up both of them. Uh, (laughs) Like they do every coach. It's always the coach's fault. It's never the player's fault. Uh, You know, I I had a caller uh, on the air, and he says, well, you know, it's it's Brian Johnson's fault, the offensive coordinator, that Jalen Hurts threw the interception and the double coverage. I said, who threw the pass? I'm trying to figure out what position on the field Brian Johnson's playing. (laughs) Sometimes you can't just blame the coordinators. Now, it is Shane Steichen did a really nice job. And uh, obviously with Indianapolis, I think he'll have success out there. Uh, And I, Jonathan Gannon, he got ripped. Everybody wanted to fire him every week. But they always blame the coaches. One of the coaches said to me, Yeah, I know out in Philadelphia, and didn't say it publicly, we suck. Well, <laughs> that's <what> the <laughs> you know, thing. That was the word to use. We suck. So, yeah, you know, we'll see you on Sunday. So they're very confident. But I think Brian Johnson has done a good job. He's not Shane Steichen yet. But he's worked with Jalen Hurts for years before he even got into the pros. You know, he's been associated with him, And and Sean Desai, I think, has done a nice job. He's done a nice job. And he's he's pretty sharp. And the players are doing a nice job. But it always comes down to the players. Players have to take responsibility. And it's so easy to blame the coach. And fans don't want to blame players. They want to blame the coaches. But I, I think they've done a good job at – Obviously, uh, Brian Johnson, I don't know if he needs to do a better job because they all coordinate what the play calls are going to be. So I, I uh, they're not the two guys that left, but I think they've done a good enough job that the Eagles should be able to win. But it comes down to the players.
4: Coming down to the players, final question. We have a little under a minute. Where does okay. James Harden play <laughs> basketball next month? <laughs>
5: Uh, is Mars or Jupiter a good place? You know what? I think he's going to be with the 76ers. And this is the joke of the whole thing. Daryl Morey, their president of basketball operations is a fraud and he's, he's a loser and he's never won anything. He overvalues his players all the time. And he's holding back, and he's just going to hold back. And who knows where James Harden is in Houston now? He hasn't come back for a week. So, uh, but now he's got personal issues that he's got it so he doesn't get fined. Who knows what's going to happen there? But I don't think he's, I think he's going to be on the 76ers roster. I just, you got to just dump his ass. I mean, you just got to dump him and get rid of him. It's it's no purpose keeping him here. Uh, but Mars and Jupiter would be a good place for him.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> Love it. good luck, Nick Nurse. Here's Howard Eskin, 94 WIP, Thanks, Eagles reporter, Fox 29 as well. Thanks, Thanks as always, Howard. Matt Humans joins us next in studio here on the Lombardi line